And we're back with another episode of Ladies First. I'm back. Uh, I took a little bit of a break while Gretchen, Lisa, and Elizabeth decided to delve into the Hunger Games. So I'm back again with another Let's Look Outside American Media episode. And I have a special guest, Alejandra, with me. Hello, everybody. So the last time we did one of these, uh, Sahar was on and we were talking about South Asian dramas and how ridiculous they were, plus, you know, a bunch of the symbolism and how the fact that they move slower than dirt. This time, <laughs> Alejandra's joining me and we're going to talk about telenovelas. Telenovelas. Let's get the drama on. Um... I know when Sahar and I were talking about South Asian dramas, we talked about there's just some really over-the-top stuff that happens with them. You know, you can go back yes. and listen to that episode. We talk uh, with several instances about how there's a lot of thunder and weather and everything going on. Um, as much as I liked that episode, I think in the back of my mind, I was waiting for this one because I... <laughs> Seen, I mean, I watch the dramas, you know, Sahar gives me weekly updates of all the shenanigans that go on, but as far as, like, just bonkers over the top where Subtle goes to die, I don't know that you can beat a telenovela. Uh, no, I, I don't think you can. Telenovelas are um, a staple, I think, of, of Latin American TV, and particularly Mexican TV, uh, and of feeding us for for them and so we have got a lot of examples of crazy over the top uh you know we've got long uh secret sisters secret wives you know babies being sold uh people being sold it's it's uh it's kind of a insane I also apologize for that La Cucaracha in the background. That's just the food truck. I'm I'm in South Central LA. That's just part of the city here. That was yeah. not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured. But I like, uh, oh, I, it, it's interesting that it should be. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting that that should be the song that plays in the background by accident. Um. I, I do want to start, though. I think this is like a perfect one of the telenovelas that you and I have talked about, and I think it's one of the perfect yes. encapsulations of, you know, quote-unquote, what the fuckery. <laughs> that we'll find. Yes. It is, um, it's a 1995, started in 1995. Um, Maria La, Deba La Del Barrio? Maria, yes. Maria La Del Barrio. Um, yeah, Maria La Del Barrio, I think, that I, that I watched when I was a kid, and they keep, they kept sort of repeating it. It's the story about poor girl who lives with her godmother and she sort of sells uh, sell, sells she picks up uh, recyclables from the trash and sells them on the street and she sort of in, falls in love with this rich like crazy crazy rich guy and they they have like a like a long winded very dramatic love story in which, uh, she, you know, they he, he has, of course, because this is a this is a staple of Mexican telenovela, right? You need a villain, and the villain is usually a woman who is in love with with the guy, or 
is the or the fiance of of the of the guy and she is uh i mean she's not just mad she's just not she's not just her boyfriend or her loved one has fallen in love with the with the she's he will end you right now if i think there's something that will make you go go what am i watching uh is is villainous villainesses right or villains i prefer to use just the general term villain and the villain in this story causes all kinds of trouble for them um she eventually she she sort of invents lies she she uh she um Well, I think the bigger thing here, though, is you're kind of burying the lead because that sounds yes, like yes, yes. You're, that sounds like, you know, just a lot of our daytime soaps here in the United States. We need to talk about what truly elevates this. Like, yes, yeah, she's this 15 year old lower class, essentially trash picker, and she lives in like this kind of shack with her grandmother, not, not grandmother, yes. godmother, who dies godmother, when yeah. she turns 15. Yes. And she implores the priest, you know, please, please find Maria a home. And one of the richest men, Fernando de la Vega. Yes. Just rolls yeah. up and adopts her. And that's how she get like, just randomly rolls up and adopts her. So, okay, yeah, this is kind of, okay, yeah, Cinderella story. We've seen this in our media. And I want to talk about where this just really goes off the rails. Yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I, I get, I get really confused with the plot as in, I, I watched this a really long time ago, but, uh, she does, oh my god, sorry, I had a little hiccup there, um, she does, uh, fall in love with this guy, and, her stepbrother, I want, I want to make this yeah. clear, here's where we start running into shit, she falls in love with her stepbrother, Luis Fernando, Yes. He's the eldest son of of the Fernando. guy who's adopted her. Yeah. And he's a playboy because he got dumped by his girlfriend and he's like, I'm not going to become emotionally involved with any woman. I'm just going to treat them as toys. But of course, you know, Maria is so like innocent and pure Angelical. and she's our yes. heroine that he falls for him and he falls in love yeah. with her and enter the best freaking part of this entire series, Soraya yes. Montenegro, played by or, uh, Itati Cantoral, yes, who is a national treasure. She is. She is a, a Mexican national treasure. She rose into international fame with the video and the memes, but uh, she's still she's still around uh, in here, and she's a she's a telenovela legend from my generation, right? So she lives with uh, in the mansion with them. Right. By the uh, way, so she's very involved with the family, and she's in love with him. She's also his yes. cousin. I want to make yeah. sure we get this part in here. It's a stepmother yeah. and stepsister, and then there is cousin and cousin. Yes. Uh, yes, and her obsession with him, with him goes to violent levels of mm, try to murder, burn Maria alive in a fire, in which. From which she's well, she tries to poison magically her first. saved. Oh no, she! I mean, she does all kinds of stuff to her. Um, 
but yeah, but the fire I think really gets me. Uh, so yes, she plots to to take Fernando away from her. She um, she drugs Fernando. She drugs Luis. She tries, yeah, she tries to kill him, uh, and then she gets shoved out of a window, and we think she's yeah, dead. Yeah, she dies. Yeah. Well, we I I'm pretty sure. She, I, I always, actually, I've always thought she died, and then they were like, "Oh no, we we screwed up. Everybody loves her. Let's let's bring her back." Well, she did fall from a very very tall building. I think it's more like, "Well, okay, well, we took out our primary antagonist, so what are we going to have to do for drama now?" Which comes to one of the most just what the hell parts of this series. So, like, we're kind of skipping around a little bit because we've seen this. Yeah. But, you know, after Soraya initially, quote-unquote, dies because some rando who knows she tried to poison Maria is like, hey, give me money or I'll tell everybody. And they get into a fight and he shoves her out of a window and then we never see this rando again. Um, Again, telenovela. So. Yeah. Of course. We think she's dead and it's all happy times. Well, we still have to have drama. And out of nowhere, like, Maria is pregnant, she has her kid, and then suddenly magical onset schizophrenia. Out of nowhere. Yeah, she, she, goes, no she goes absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, and she goes wandering uh, the streets like a homeless person, and here's my favorite part, and I swear I'll let you talk in just a second. I, I just really want to get this out. <laughs> my absolute yeah, yeah, yeah. favorite part, she's homeless and wandering around with this dazed look on her face, holding her newborn son, a sausage vendor lady comes up and sits next to her, and she trades her son for a sausage. She's a sausage vendor lady. Yeah, she does. And that's our drama. Oh, my God. This is what we have yep. to have for drama, and they do this time jump. And we know they yes. do a time jump because, you know, facial hair happens. And suddenly yes. and we the, meet this son Salia suddenly wears suits. Yeah. He's supposed to... Luis is, like, a grown-up now, so he's wearing suits, and he has facial hair. Um, yes. And she is, like, randomly oh, no, cured. But, like, she randomly uh, cured the living happily. Yeah. I'm sorry? No, uh, yeah, but no, also, she's wearing suits now. That's how we know she's older. Okay, yeah. They're both wearing suits, and one of them has facial hair. Yeah. Um, so, and this is, like, over a decade later... With this time jump. Yes. And we know it's a decade later because suddenly her teenage son comes back. Yes. 14 years have passed. And at this point, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of thinking they're along the lines of, okay, we're running out of stuff for drama. What can we do? Oh, let's bring Soraya back. Yes. Soraya comes back from the dead. Uh, they discover Fernando, young Fernando, or Nando, uh, selling lottery in the streets and magically know it's him and are like oh There's yes let's... really big scene with that too with like yeah. maria and young fernando and like they're doing this like back and forth cut in like this orangey yellowy glowy thing yes i mean <laughs> <laughs> and it's supposed yeah. to be this big epic moment and i'm like Okay, but you gave me a time cut, and all of a sudden, bam, here he is. Yes. <laughs> and it looks like they're having an acid trip. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely it's definitely something. But, I mean, uh, 
Soraya does come back, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now Soraya is obsessed with Nando, right? With young Fernando. And Fernando is in love with this girl uh, who's in a wheelchair. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know where I'm going. I know where this is going. <laughs> of course, right? Which leads to the be- probably the best scene in telenovela history, uh, which is the one that made its rounds uh, through the internet where Soraya discovers Nando with uh, the young girl that he's in love with, whose name, for some reason, has completely escaped me. And um, that is her stepdaughter. Yeah, That's she's her stepdaughter. Part. Whose father she murdered for his money. Yeah. Of course. I mean, what else are you going to do if you're a telenovela villain? Um, yeah, so she discovers her, uh, Nando, with, the, the, with her stepdaughter, with, yes, and goes absolutely batshit insane and hits everyone and hurts the nanny and tips over her tips her over the, the wheelchair, yes. Yeah, and famously with says her daughter her stepdaughter yes. inside who is just screaming her head off. But this isn't the first time though in the series that she's just gone off the deep end. Remember oh, when no. um, she and the maid were going to poison Maria and it didn't work and she just went bonkers and started slapping the maid and like throwing her through the furniture like how dare this not work? Oh yeah, no, I mean she is she is prone to, to tantrums and I, I mean she, the thing is that Itati Cantoral is, I mean I, I'm sure she was aware of the over the topness of what she was acting out, but she did it with all the seriousness and all of the of her acting chops, you know, with everything she had. It was and so amazing. It reminded me of um oh Mommy Dearest. I can't remember the actress from Mommy Dearest. Faye Dunaway. Oh, no, no more wire hangers. Yep. That part that's what she reminds <laughs> me of because she's just scenery chewing and throwing herself in it like she's stabbing Nando with a pair of scissors and like throwing um, Esperanza into the walls Alicia gets knocked over like it is like Nando has to go to the hospital yes Um, oh yeah because she she sucks sucks the, the scissors on his arm yeah yeah like she stabs him with a pair of scissors yes um and also I think it's interesting, and one of the reasons that that this scene made it to the internet was the blocking on that scene is also so weird. Like, everything that's happening is super intense, and yet the blocking looks like... meh. (laughs) You know? Just the the chair falls, and like, plop! (laughs) You're like... You're not doing justice. The actors really had to do double duty to make that work. Yes, yes, for sure. But the uh, best part <laughs> is, is she follows, Soraya follows this up by going to find her mother, and then she kills her mother. Yes. What's I mean, uh, there's... Cal- Cal- Callisto? No, that's Xena. Um, yeah, we've been watching season mother? three of Xena for that next rewatch <laughs> episode. Oh, no. Uh, Calix- Calixta? Calic- yeah, Calixta. Yeah, there we yes. go. Yes, Calixta. Um... So yeah, uh, the 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 show gets even crazier from there. Eventually, she's burned, and still like, I there's a the, I, the most fabulous and actually that scene the 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 wheelchair scene is great 
But my favorite scene with her is when she's all burned and bandaged up and she's like trembling and she's like, I will get my vengeance. I don't care how. I have sold my soul to the devil and I'm like, yes. But, but my favorite part here is that like Soraya does all of this. There's a bunch of witnesses that see her do this. And somehow yes. she gets to say, I'm innocent. And the show's like, okay, let's run with it. It's all Nando's fault. So somehow oh, yeah. they're going to charge Nando. So Maria's like, no, no, it was me. And she's convicted and imprisoned. Yes. <laughs> but by the way, Maria goes to prison. And she's like assaulted by the inmates and the prison guards. And then she starts learning how to defend herself. And I'm like... Nobody in here of the other witnesses from this major incident were like, uh, no, three against one. It was Soraya. <laughs> no, 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 because you can't lose the villain, right? And the, 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 they really don't care about that because the, the drama is in Maria going to, to prison, so she goes to prison, right? It's like, that's, that's that. Yeah, of course. That's just how, how you do. How you, yeah. how you, how you doing? And then there was a fire in the prison. Here's the thing about you, you talk about the fire though. There's not just yep. one fire. There are two fires in one damn day. Yes. <laughs> like, if I'm Maria, I would walk away from that just like being afraid of a fucking barbecue after this. Yes, but, you know, that's just life, right? Mm -hmm. She would tell you, like, Maria, you had a fire. Like, it's Tuesday, man. Like, I sold my child to, with, for a sausage. What else did you have? <laughs> but at the Fires. very end, here's the thing. At the very end, it's like, oh, you know how I, every, they get their happily ever after. And the same thing happens in, like, the dramas, the South Asian dramas. <laughs> but they just have this most awkward kissing angle when Marissa's like, I'm pregnant, Fernando. And... They have, like, the most awkward angle of, like, trying to kiss so you can see both of their faces. Yes. And there's this random-ass parrot in the background. It's just there. <laughs> yes. There's no reason for it to be there, but this poor parrot is being... I'm like, how long have... You guys have been married for over a decade. You don't know how to kiss each other yet? No, because they both have to look beautiful for the camera. <sighs> that they know is there. I know, like that's it like the most awkward kissing scene I have ever seen in my life. And that's supposed to be the go-home scene with, you know, Polly the parrot in the background. And you're like, yeah, get it out on the balcony. I don't want to see this, though. <laughs> I love how, you, how you've, like, learned. You know the plot better than me. You put me to this shame with the, with the plot of, of the, the novel. I've seen it, like, I saw it when I was a kid. But, yes. <laughs> because I went back and rewatched a ton of this to get ready just for this episode. The problem is that's the only series I was able to cram in. So, like, some of the other ones, I'm like, I still have a basic knowledge of kind of remembering yeah. them. But I'm like, I specifically watched this one. But I know, like, we were talking about Itari. And um, I tried getting some episodes of, and again, my... I really apologize, but my pronunciation is just shit. It's um, okay. Hasta que el dinero lo, no se pare. Hasta que el dinero no se pare, yes. Yeah, I tried a couple of those, but I didn't get as far into it. Yes. Um, yes, till money do us part is the name of that. Of that. Um, but she's yeah, the no. lead in this one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she she was she played some good girls in in her day. Definitely, she's definitely most famous for Soraya, right? It, it's one of those things where she was never, she never, she could never get like break out of that role because it was well, to just be fair, legendary. Like, Maria is one of the most famous telenovelas ever. It showed wound up showing in like over 180 countries. Yes. So I mean, it's like Vivian Leigh trying to step out of Gone with the Wind or something. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 difficult. Um, especially because, you know, there's, especially since the, those things went out on the internet, uh, yeah. that she's actually gone back to playing Soraya. I don't know if you, any of you may, might've seen, there was a promo of Orange is a New Black, if I'm not mistaken, season five that had Soraya in as a new inmate, um, with the Latina characters that are in Orange is a New Black. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's just her, it's Itati being Soraya in the, in the promo. She just, she's just come back, like, again from the dead for the second time to haunt us. But, uh, yes. Um, and definitely telenovelas, if there's, like I said, is if there's something that, that sort of characterizes Mexican telenovelas, it has to be villains, right? And specifically mm-hmm. women villains. There's always a woman that is evil like incorrigibly evil would murder you in your sleep evil right and is willing to go to any lengths to to do what she must to get a her money or be her man back right sometimes they are sometimes the the villain is really in love with the guy and it's like wants him to love her and sometimes it's just his money she wants right i will say one of the interesting, because, I mean, you're right, normally they're really defined because they have just, their villainesses are so memorable. But the yes. one whose name I completely butchered, with Itati. Uh, I yeah, so I'm not going to try part. that again. Um, that was, <laughs> it was kind of a like, male-female duo who were both kind of jerks in this. Like, yeah. If I remember, it's like Vicky and Marco. Yes. And Marco was really leading um, Alejandra, Itati's character, on. Yes. For her money. So, I mean, I think the... And, but this was also in 2009, so I do think they're a little bit evolving. It was like, yes, men can be shit stains too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you, we definitely have to talk about the evolution of telenovelas, um, especially recently, since the 90s, since mid-90s or, or the end of the 90s, telenovelas have evolved... I think out of necessity, mm-hmm. um, and also like you know, there's there's this need and want from creatives to sort of step out of their other comfort zone because for the longest time, telenovelas were uh, usually a Cinderella story. You know, Mariela del Barrio is probably the the most uh, egregious example of, of of the Cinderella story, but right. um, there are plenty of Cinderella stories. There's usually a poor woman who's like an angel basically and somehow has perfect eyeliner even though she lives on the streets <laughs> um and she falls in love with this rich dude who whose money the villain usually wants and uh you know the, the protagonist doesn't really want the money she wants the guy but uh there's all of this problem this class problem um going on 
that's that was the sort of the norm for mostly i think from the from the 80s uh, and the 90s right which is which is the ones that i most remember because it's the ones that i watched um in on reruns or on myself but lately telenovelas have have changed uh, at the beginning of the 2000s i think that they have started to be uh more about sort of relationships uh, but in a more sort of leveled uh playing field mm-hmm. there's there's uh, there you know there's one called uh, las tontas no van al cielo which is dumb women don't go to heaven <laughs> right <laughs> okay there's a title yes. <laughs> That is the title of the telenovela, uh, and it was about, and it was, I think it was from 2008, I want to say 2005 or something, and it's about this woman who um, discovers that her, you know, she discovers that her boyfriend was cheating on her, but with who? I think with her sister on the night of their wedding. So she runs away. Right, she runs away from home, and but she was pregnant, right? And she has a kid. She starts living with her with her uncle, and the story is basically about the the his her son's father coming back into her life and sort of trying to apologize. But she has this other guy whom she loves, uh, who she falls in love with. Uh, but you know, there's the the pull between do I go with my with my kid's father and make like a whole family for him, or do I go with this? new guy who I actually really like uh, but it's not part of my family unit and my family doesn't necessarily like and there's a drama of reuniting with her family like why did you run away but it's but it's not it's not anything like you would have seen like Maria del Barrio for example right mm-hmm. and it was m- much more like a TV show uh, like a like a TV show like a series like a TV series more like a telenovela mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, the the sort of the the stereotype is the one that comes from times immemorial, you know, from the from the sixties all the way to the eighties, and it started dying out. So yeah, you'll find like very very different stories uh, come the two thousands that are not that. Um, they're still dramatic, right? They're still going to be over the top and melodramatic, but uh, you see less. It's not died completely yet, but you see less of that sort of Cinderella story type thing, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's And then lately, I haven't been keeping up with them so much. I just remember very, very acutely the ones that I watched when I was a kid, uh-huh. and um, which Maria was one, although I, I, I can say I don't remember the plot <laughs> as well. Um, but, yes, and there were there was something curious happening when I was a kid, which was that kids' telenovelas existed. And they were, like, a big thing, right? And they showed, like, a romance, full-on romance with eight-year-olds. Um, I'm gonna have to say haram on that. <laughs> uh, yes. That's a little much for me. Yeah, I mean... hard pass. Of course they weren't, like, like, romance, like, you know, there wasn't there wasn't anything sexual about the romance. It was just like a cutesy, I like you, like the first girl, first boy you like, um, and sort of the the sort of schoolyard drama that happens uh, when you when you like someone for the first time. Oh my goodness! But yes, yes, and and the main love, like the sort of star-crossed lovers kind of thing, usually happened with the parents. 
right? But the kids had like this, I want to hold your hand. Ah. You know? Um, For but me, yeah. what I think is interesting is I think the format of the telenovela, like the basic story, just that, you know, over-the-top melodramatic component, I think it's interesting because it feels like they're kind of playing around of like, well, can we do this? Unlike Netflix with the limited series, can we do this as a movie? I think the, uh, and again, my pronunciation is terrible, it's 2015. Um, I don't want to say this because I'm going to put it. Las Aparicio, yes. Yeah, and it actually had, um, oh, what's her face from Sense8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, wait, wait, let me tell you. I, I got the, the IMDb. Erendia, Erendia. Erendira Ibarra. There we go. But yeah, she isn't she... They started introducing um, some LGBT characters in that format, too. Yeah, and I, there was actually a polyamorous relationship with that one. Um, the thing is that there's now, there's now like, a, like a blend sort of thing happening. I think it's like a t- transition period where... Uh, Mexican TV is transitioning into uh, series, like mm-hmm. like more like the American style TV series, mm-hmm. uh, just because the the audience is actually not there if, anymore for for telenovelas. And there there's there's like a like a sad part about this that I think is um, there's a point in the in the 90s where uh, the people making telenovelas. I don't know. My what I think happened is that the melodrama from telenovelas was so famous across the globe that they started sort of working on the on the supposition that the melodrama made the telenovela as opposed to the plot, and they started making what we would call here churros, right? Terrible, terrible things that we we people would watch out of out of just uh, you know. Um, oh my god, I forgot the word for that. Out of habit, out of habit. Thank you. Right. Uh, and and but you would come in and watch like me. I sit down with my aunt, for example, uh, and watch and be like, "What is this? I'm like this is so this is too just too ridiculous, right?" Um, and it's, it's, it's sad, cringeworthy. It's not. There's yeah, nothing compelling to it. It's just melodrama. Yeah. It's it and 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 at the same time, the 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 producers specifically from. From the two main companies, uh, Televisa and mm-hmm. Azteca, but Televisa is the big one, right? Televisa is the historical owner of Mexico, big thing, right? Uh, they started sort of falling into this thing where they like, oh, we want to be edgy, so they would say edgy as like show a guy in a bed that's only cover his, you know, only cover his junk with <laughs> with a with a with the Sheet. thing a blanket yes with a sheet and that's that was the edgy part right but they didn't they didn't go like they just wanted they just went for the shock factor of oh my god we're showing sex now right and they would play these telenovelas late at night but instead of actually like going for the compelling sort of story and drama of it and it's sad because i think it's a it's a staple of of a culture that shouldn't die just because People started getting lazy about them. You know what I mean? It's well. I think the interesting thing is you're starting to see the telenovela 
pick up, like the spirit of it, pick up outside of Mexico. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Jane the Virgin on the CW, which I just think just perfectly embraces the spirit of the telenovela. I think yes. um, Netflix, you and I have talked about this. La Casa de las Flores, um, the House like of Flowers Flores, yes. with um, Ashlyn. Ashlyn Derbez, yes. Yes. Um, who, by the way, I absolutely love. Yes. Um, but yeah, What's not to love? That, um, Actually, yeah. yeah, it's a dark comedy kind of take on, you know, the tradition, the more traditional telenovelas that they showed but there's a lot of plot behind this so if you go and you watch it on Netflix it's like I'm getting a modern telenovela that doesn't just feel like cheap cliche melodrama for the sake of the melodrama exactly that's something that I like that the new that this the TV series that are coming out of of Mexico uh, both on on Mexican TV and on Netflix are basically telenovelas but with uh Less episodes, of course, uh, fewer episodes, sorry, and uh, more money, right, per episode. So it, uh, basically, a tighter, tighter story. I mean, it's still yeah, just completely out there, but it's not yeah. puff. Yeah, no, there's people complaining about this. I have a friend um, who's, you know, he's kind of a snob, wise, and he's like, ugh, I'm sick of people saying that La Casa de los Flores is a, uh, is a TV show. It's a telenovela. And I'm like, yeah, but that's good. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's our culture. It's not dying. It's just evolving. Right. Um, I do wish that, that, that there would, they would still make like telenovelas as is like five mm-hmm. days a week. Uh, good ones. Right. Right. I, I imagine someday they would, they will do it again. Right. And they'll start doing, uh, original stuff because they have been rehashing the same telenovelas for 30 years by now. Uh, they just make remakes and remakes and remakes. But, I think that's but the I interesting think- thing that Netflix is doing, though, because, you know, yeah. the House of Flowers, or they've even got um, the Ballad of Hugo Sanchez. I'm not even going to try and yes. say that in Spanish, because I, I know <laughs> it's not going to come out well. Or you've got, um, what was it? Luis Miguel. Yeah, I was getting ready to say that one with, uh, what's his face? I'm blanking yeah, on Luis- his name. Diego no. Boneta? Ah, Diego Boneta, yes. Yeah. Diego Boneta, yes. So, like, Netflix is actually putting out, I think, in the spirit of, or like your friend would say, these are telenovelas, I think it's putting out, like, a next-gen sort of, here, this is open, everybody who has Netflix can come and watch this shit, it is hilarious, and it is super binge-worthy. Yeah, and uh, there's uh, actually a new season of, uh, the. I think that it was a, second Mexican TV series from the Netflix called Ingobernable, which mm-hmm. is actually kind of like an action, action-y kind of uh, drama, telenovela type thing about the first lady who is accused of killing the president, uh, which is, which is actually, I think is c- quite compelling. Uh, you should, you should check that out. And it's, you know, the, the, it's something in our blood, you know. The melodrama is is there. We can't lose it. It's it's part of us. And I actually wrote a, a, a an article for the, my first article for the fundamentals was about melodrama and how, and how uh, underrated it is. And we confuse melodrama sometimes in conversation. We sort of conflate it with um, 
sort of that cringeworthy thing mm-hmm. that is too over the top and too ridiculous, but it's not necessarily bad, right? And the and the telenovelas that have been legendary in 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 the country and in the and in all of Latin America are melodramatic AF, but they are also super compelling and like people would not go to work to watch finales of telenovelas in in the height of telenovela, right? Mm. And we're talking about things like Cuna de Lobos, which is Cradle of Wolves, right? Mexico stopped, Mexico City froze when the finale of that telenovela came out, right? It was it was a, a national event, and you don't see that anymore, not really. No, that is kind of sad, but the same thing... I remember Seinfeld in the United States. That was like a big thing with that ended. And it wasn't even near the scale of what you're talking about. And we don't see those a lot here either. And I think partially it's because, you know, just viewing habits have changed. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. But I do get a kick out of, you know, you see all these telenovela um, alumni or the artists who grew up watching them. Like Talia. Uh, she was Maria. Yeah. And... <clears throat> That, uh... Mariela del Barrio. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, she's a very, very renowned singer in Mexico. She just dropped um, a single with Nati Natasha uh, just, like, a month or so ago. It's got, like, 400 million views on YouTube now. I, I personally really like that song. I'm... I listen to it a lot um yeah <laughs> Thalia's got some pretty good music um yeah. yes and she actually has a trilogy of telenovelas I'll have you now like, no me acuerdo ah yes no me acuerdo yes yeah Pero no me acuerdo. that's the video yeah. and she's very and I I love Talia because she's very much of like I remember what it was like when I was younger and I want to try and work with all these younger women so like she works with like you know, Nati, she works with Becky G and does collabs with all these women. But but you go and you watch her videos. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you came up in telenovela because your videos are just, they're like visually and they're over the top and you have all these storylines going on sometimes. I'm like, okay, yeah, I still see that influence there. Yeah, no, and for us, she is, you know, she's a, she's a Mexican sweetheart, right? Just like mm-hmm. Itati is a, is a national treasure. You know, you see, you see someone that you saw in a telenovela from your use and you get excited. You're like, oh my God, there's Belinda, right? And everybody mm-hmm. hates Belinda now. And I'm like, I don't care. I watch her telenovelas and I love her. Um, and also like, yeah. she is, Talia is what, 44? Yeah. And she's I mean, fit. She is gorgeous and she yeah. can just go. And I, She's a like, vampire. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. You're like, JLo, you guys aren't aging. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, no, she's a vampire. She's for sure a vampire. And JLo as well. Um yeah, no, I, I feel like we should talk about uh LGBT representation on telenovelas. Yeah, I mean we a little bit touched on it a little bit, like when I mentioned that one movie that whose name I just promptly forgot with Indira Erendira. With Indira, yes, the Los Aparicio. Yeah. Um so yeah. I do think that's one of I don't want to say modernizing, but as it's progressed, I think you started to see more LGBT either presence or influence, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
there was a few uh, there were there were a few Mavericks in the '80s who included who dared include subtext, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In in telenovelas, and it was very much implied, right? You would never ever see anything on screen. But um, I think mid '90s onwards, there's there was like a like a flourish suddenly of, of LGBT characters. Although in Mexico, there is one situation which. I don't want to say that it's bad, but it is true that you don't see women, right? You see mm-hmm. gay men, but you don't see gay women. You hardly see gay women. And you'll, like, you have Las Aparicio and you have, like, uh, La Reina del Sur, uh, the Queen of the South. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if you've heard about it. it. I have. I don't know. Yes. Um, that that she actually falls in love with a woman, the, the protagonist, um, before she dies. And it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, it's a barrier gay situation. Uh, yeah, asterisk you know. <laughs> on that show. Um, it's there. Yeah. It falls yeah. into a not great stereotype. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you were gonna go in, like, if anybody was gonna go in, like, oh my god, the Reina del Sur has it. Wait, you should know that. Um, but but that was not produced in Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. That was produced by Telemundo, and uh, that's something that 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 happens. Uh, that a lot of producers, actors, are migrating to Telemundo, and I forgot the other the other one that's in the U.S. that also you makes telenovelas. Yes, in Univision, and uh, they're actually the ones making sort of the the telenovelas that are that are drawing the actors to the stories, right? They're like, oh, I don't like the role that I'm being given here. Maybe just go to, to Telemundo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's in Mexico, it's, uh, I, I was reading a list like that somebody compiled kindly for me in, on the internet and there was like, oh yeah. And we start to see a lot more in, uh, at the end of the nineties and you like a huge list of actors and characters, all men. And I'm like, where are the lesbians and by women? Right. <laughs> like they're not there. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know why I, I, I can't say that 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 I have like a like an answer for why that is. I don't know if there's there's a, a an invisibility factor or, 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 or a harsher judgment factor. I really don't know. Uh, I do say I do know. I have a friend who actually writes for uh, the novela. She writes for um, for an anthology mm-hmm. called Como dice el dicho, which is as the saying goes. Uh, and each episode is based on a saying, right? On a, like your grandma's sayings. And she she actually told me that I talked to to, to a producer and and said, "Hey, why do we always have gay guys? We should have a, an episode with gay girls." And she wrote an episode, and she said everybody received it really well. Like they they loved it. Nobody said, "No, no, we only want gay guys." Like it's not just like it's like something that they don't consider, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, there's not there's not a lot of, of women. There are increasingly more men. In, actually, Jaime Camil, who plays uh, Jane's father on Jane the Virgin, was it was was a uh, played a, a gay man in a in a 2009 telenovela I think called uh, Los Exitosos Perez or the Successful Perez, right? which is mm-hmm. a, what about a, a sort of business like family. Um, but yeah, and even he at the time said, I think he mentioned he had some issues with the 
what was a oh my god I, i'm forgetting english right now <laughs> well censorship of you know they recorded some scenes that didn't really make it to the screen um but so yeah there's still like issues mm-hmm. but it is it is it is uh common uh, in telenovelas for there to be uh gay guys i don't know why where the women are but We'll get there That's sooner or later, is. hopefully. <laughs> yes. Hopefully we'll have more people like my friend who was like, hey, where are the gay women? I want to write one. Right? That's what we need. Because apparently, like like I said, like they didn't reject it. They didn't say, oh, no, this is too much for television. No, they loved it. But it, it's just that nobody had brought them to the brother brought it to the table uh, to the table why diverse writers rooms matter just as much as diverse casts yeah and actually diversity is a thing that i don't think we should get into but it's an issue uh, in telenovelas and and mexican tv in general right because you see a lot of white people <laughs> on, on camera mm-hmm. which is which is there's a lot of white people in mexico but it's it's uh you know it's like 30 or 20 percent of the population versus uh, 70, 80 who is brown, you know, and they're not there. And I actually the the one that I mentioned before in Gobernable, which is on Netflix, has one of the one of the first instances where I saw people from from Mexico City, like like that. I know that I have seen when I when I go to Mexico City that I'm like, oh, my God, it a looks person. like Mexico City. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Mexico City person dweller you know it's um, like with elementary how they show new york it actually looks like new york as opposed to like over here a lot of other places show new york and it's very whitewashed yeah yeah they they do whitewash mexico city a lot and it's it's like the, it's the most diverse city in the country right it's a 20 million people city and there's not just white people in it but okay we shouldn't get into that that's you know it's that's probably its own episode topic um, that we could talk about later. I know one day at a time kind of addressed that issue. Do you watch one day at a time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. So you know, in the season two, episode one, they kind of address that. And I know in the United States, we like our uh, Latinx stars to not be too brown. <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> And I, I, yeah. I, I want to tread very carefully here because I don't want to invalidate somebody's Latinx identity. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of colorism. And, you know, there are certain people who t- tend to do a little bit better than other people who are a few shades yeah. not as white. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, for sure. Yeah, no, in, in, Me- in Mexico, even we have that thing where you know they'll give roles first to uh there's a, there's a french actress who did uh telenovela a couple of years back that was very famous uh there's a cuban actor who is you know blonde blue-eyed tall kind of thing and i'm like where are like i i there's i've nothing against them right Mm-hmm. They 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 can be working in in, in Mexico and tele- Televisa. I have no but you problem like to with that. see people that look like you too. Yeah, no, people who look like me and people who look like other people who don't look like me. Because right. um, you know, in the I, I'm from the north, right? And it, and mm-hmm. it's uh, very it looks very different. You know, we have uh, 
a lot of people I think it, there was a there was a like a, a lot of migration in the 30s and the 40s uh, Europeans right so we actually have a lot of a lot more white people here in the north than they would in the south right and I'm you know just like where are those people right the the, the brown people you know like I I don't want to I don't want to I don't want it to sound weird but the, the short brown people who are like the growth of the Mexican population, right? Because right. here in the north, there's not a lot of us, right? We have like a bunch of cities with three people in it, but uh, the the southern cities are are much more populated. There's a lot more people and in, in like living next to each other, and it's like there's a there's I, the density I, population is higher. I use the comparison because it's easy for, and I'm not shading either of the women, but I use the comparison. It's easy for people to understand when I'm talking about this issue. It's like you look at the success of Selena Gomez versus Becky G. Uh-huh. And yeah. it's just because it's two people that are, and I'm not shading either woman. Yeah, no. But you, I mean, look, you look at the success levels between the two of them. And I'm not saying that's entirely what it has to do with anything. But when you look at the Latina casting roles, even in the U.S., there are several shades lighter yeah as far as selena goes as opposed to what i think is probably a little bit more representative at least where i live in los angeles that you know they're a little bit browner <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's 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 uh, you know and it's it's a, an issue and it's an issue in mexico in the in in so far as people don't even recognize that we are a racist country, mm-hmm. like you'll ask people, do you think Mexico is racist? And they'll say, no, 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 there's classism, but there's no racism. And I'm like, but they're like completely tied together because there was even a, like a study that showed well, I mean, that compared to what's going on in the U S I mean, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I yeah, can yeah. see but why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, no! But you know, until we stop denying it, we can't do anything to fix it, right? Right. And and there has to be conscientious efforts from from creators and writers and all kinds of people. You know, I had a, an interesting conversation with a with a Brazilian uh, friend who's also a screenwriter who said, uh, "No, you know what? I make it a point to write in my scripts. Like in Brazil, they have they have issues with uh, the black Brazilian population, right? I don't know. If there's like the, the correct politically correct term for that but the the black brazilian population don't get represented a lot you know mm-hmm. the same the same way that the browner population doesn't get to be on tv a lot in mexico and he said i make it a point to write to write that down on my script like brown she's brown she's black he's black she's brown you know because if mm-hmm. not he says i mean they may they may still ignore me right but if i but if i write it down you know, at least I'm making a point and I'm telling you I want to I want you to cast a brown or black person because if not, they will just cast, uh, you know, blonde, thin, tall, you know. Right. And I do think, you know, I, there's some carryover with that, I think, in our WLW fandoms, too. Um, mm. And I know that's getting into hot water because it's like you said, you don't like to admit it. Yeah. Or you don't see it. But I do think, like, you see the popularity with the ships. Yeah. Um, you know. Where are all certain, the Kadenas? 
Yeah, certain ships that are massively popular have something in common, and um, yep. we, we all know what that is. I don't need to say it. Out loud, yeah. yeah. And part sure. of that is, part of that is, you know, it's just we still need more diverse roles, but we are starting to get them, and, you know, it's it's kind of the same as you can see. It's like, well, okay, why aren't there any fan videos of this, huh? It's a little unfortunate. Yeah. The AO3 page is a little bit empty. Yeah. Where are all the pics? Hmm. Yeah, no. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It is unfortunate because I know that it's not it's not sort of malicious of, right. of most of most fans of most people, you know, like they're just you know, it's so drilled into our brains that that we don't even think about it. It's like it's like that thing with the producers uh, that that my friend was talking about, they don't even think about it. So so they don't. It's not like they're con- like consciously ignoring it. They just not. They're just not considering it. Right. But you know, it's something that you know. Once you at least bring awareness to it, I think you can at least try to be better. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like you know you want better representation for people that look like you're saying. Um, southern mexico yeah and not just these pockets of you know lighter mexico i guess if that's the right way to phrase it i i I may be saying something like i want to see the world burn (laughs) but i would say white i would say white there's people in mexico who are white like Mm -hmm. european like 99 percent european blood like if they did one of those things where you you get your blood drawn and see where your ancestry comes from, one hundred percent Europe. I promise you, there's white people here, and and you know, I they may be a little a, like a little little too controversial. I hope I don't like start any fires, but I would say white. Okay, well, I will let you say that because I don't live in Mexico, and I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's a little bit overstepping my bounds. Yeah, no, and and I for sure think that there's a difference between you know, being white here and being white, being a white Latino in, in the U S right. And I don't want to, you know, like you should not never invalidate the, the, like you said, the, the experience of a lighter skinned, you know, in, in the U S right. It's, it, it is a very different experience. Point being, cause I think we kind of got off in the little weeds a bit, but yeah. Um, so these telenovelas, you should go watch them. They're a lot of fun, yes. but be prepared that, like, anything can happen, and a lot of it is probably haram, but that's just yeah. how it is. Yes. So um, much haram. So much haram. Yeah, no, and and uh, I think, I really do think that the, the villain will is what will, will irk the most people. It's like, what will, will be like, but that's not realistic. It's not meant to be. All right, just right. go with it. Um, um, I mean, you go with yeah. Cruella Deville in 101 Dalmatians, so I think you guys can yeah. go with this. Yeah, of course. But I mean, you're you're talking like one of the actually one of the biggest tropes in in telenovela, uh, the villain history is pretend to be pregnant so that the guy won't leave you, right? Right. That happens. A lot, right? That like the the girl either gets pregnant by uh, some other guy, or um, 
just pretends to be pregnant, which happened on Glee, by the way, now that I remember. Yes, um, that's true. But yeah, that's a big, big telenovela trope. And if you think about applying telenovela tropes to WLW ships, I think that that's one that would not work out at all, right? Right. Um, but talking about tropes, I've actually thinking about about WLW tropes applied to telenovelas. I, you know, Mariela del Barrio is is like a it lives in its own category of awesomeness. But I do remember one that I was completely hooked on when I was when I was a, a preteen tween kind of thing that I think would fit like a glove to the thing that make our knees weak. And I'm going to tell you the story of the show, right? Briefly. Well, you're going to have to hurry because we it's have about... three minutes. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So it's yeah. about this this rich girl whose family is going to ruin. She's in love with a, with a poor soldier. So her, But her mother tells her, we're going to ruin and you have to marry this rich guy. The rich guy is real, a really good guy. He's in love with her, right? He's truly in love with her. He's an illegitimate son of, of a rich guy. Of another rich guy so uh she goes with him unwillingly and hates his guts at the beginning because she loves this other guy but eventually comes to love him when the, when eventually she comes to love him the the her husband discovers that she's been she was in love with this other guy the whole time and now he's angry with her right and they and they're estranged and pulled apart again now if you i've read fanfics like this Right <laughs> on WLW fanfiction, like because this is like, and picture this guy, right? Her husband, who's like a rich guy who who was an illegitimate son, but he's risen to the role of of landlord, and he's a a doctor who helps poor people for free, and and the girl hates his guts, but then watches him with with the, his people, and and she's like, oh, but. He's nice, but no, I, no, I still love the other guy, right? See, my poor soldier. A little bit into another episode of Ladies First, we have planned in the pipeline of people make dumb decisions romantically, especially in yeah. the 20s. Stay tuned. By the way, that's going to happen. But we are yes. out of time, so I'm going to have to <laughs> kind of wrap up yes. now. Um, but yeah, you should uh, stay tuned for that episode because we are going to talk about dumb romantic decisions people make. Um, just be aware that's probably coming this year thank you for alejandra for joining me on this special episode um no thank you for inviting me yeah it's been a lot of fun um don't forget to uh like and subscribe to us on itunes and also check out our other podcasts uh, the Fundamentalists, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, Right to Survive, Unabashed Book Snobbery. Um, Alejandra and I will have season three of the Xena rewatch coming out at some point. Um, not too far in the future. We just have to finish season three first. <laughs> yes. Get through it emotionally. Yeah, that too, and process it. And then also, if you are a Fundamentals Plus member, don't forget we have bi-monthly podcasts. Uh, special different topics for you as well. Um, you can check out how to subscribe for that. It's just $3 a month. You get um, exclusive ad, uh, ad cast. Exclusive access. <laughs> oh my goodness. Exclusive access to um, articles. You get uh, store discounts and, you know, hangouts, podcasts, things like that. 
So, thank you guys for tuning in. We're right in an hour. I'm going to let you all go. Thank you for Alejandra for coming on, and y'all have a great evening.